I wish someone would have told me that I needed to learn to really love myself before attempting to lead others. Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, health, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO. As a leader, I faced a wide variety of challenges while raising over $50 million to fight poverty. I failed, succeeded, and learned a lot in the process. The goal of this podcast is to share those lessons and help you successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. I wish someone would have told me that I needed to learn to really love myself before attempting to lead others. I wish someone would have said, it's going to be harder to be patient with others when you're so impatient with yourself. It's going to be impossible to forgive others when you haven't forgiven yourself. It's going to be very difficult to celebrate their successes when you fail to really celebrate yours. And those impossibly high standards that you set for yourself are going to feel impossible for them too. This was my confession after realizing that so many of my issues as a young leader were because I didn't know myself, accept myself, or love myself enough to lead well. My own insecurities had undermined my desire to build a mission-oriented, highly motivated team. Instead, I had a leadership team full of moles who played on my insecurity and mastered the art of saying what I wanted to hear. Now, don't get me wrong. I've always been a visionary, talented, and skilled leader. That's what led to my previous successes and opened the door for my becoming a CEO in the first place. I can see the possibilities in the most problematic situations, and I can easily devise a strategy to motivate key stakeholders to invest in a new vision. I've always been a master strategist and a compelling communicator. But my talent, the very same talent that led to my becoming a CEO, was not enough. Eventually, I learned that a visionary leader needs more than skills and talent. A visionary leader must have faith to lead. And as the Bible says, faith works by love, even if that love is love of self. It would be years before I would understand the relationship between self-love and successful leadership, especially as a Christian leader. When I began my leadership journey at Interfaith, I was an inexperienced CEO who had landed this big job and was secretly filled with big doubts. My private insecurities would lead to some very public and embarrassing issues with personnel. Now, if you've read my book, Diary of an Insecure CEO, you know just how embarrassing those issues were. And I plan to talk about them in detail in another episode. But today, I wanna focus on the lesson that came from those situations more than the experience itself. The lesson that came out of my humiliating experience with disgruntled staff was this. Skills without self-esteem can make success highly stressful and, if unchecked, unsustainable. 
I'll say that again, skills without self-esteem can make success highly stressful and if unchecked, unsustainable. If I could do it all over again, I'd prioritize learning to love myself before accepting an opportunity to lead others. So you might be wondering, what does this look like practically? I mean, after all, how and I know you said that you would have prioritized doing it before you accepted an opportunity to lead others, but I'm already leading. Can I build my self-esteem midway through my leadership journey? Well, I'm going to give you those practical steps you asked for. And the good news is yes, whether you're starting out or if you are already an established leader, there are steps you can take to build your self-esteem and improve your ability to be a successful and stable leader. So let's talk strategy. So there are three steps that I've taken to really learn to love and accept myself as a person and as a leader. As I said before, I wish I'd done this before becoming a CEO, but I'm happy that I went through this process and even after the fact, and I'm a better leader because of it. So what are those three steps? Well, first, I had to focus on taking a private inventory instead of creating a public image. So let me say step one again, focus on taking a private inventory before creating a public image. So what do I mean by taking a private inventory? Well, it's hard to build a brand for a product you don't know. But way too often I see people work focusing on building their brand and coming up with this brand identity when they're not really acquainted with themselves or intimately acquainted with themselves and what makes them them. And so what does a private inventory look like so you can answer these questions? Well, it looks like asking yourself, what are my strengths? What do I do better than most? What are my weaknesses? What are the areas that just don't click for me, no matter how hard I work on them? What do people like about me? What do people dislike about me? What can I see better than most? And where are my blind spots? What can I do better than most? And what do I have difficulty doing? These are the questions you need to ask yourself. And in addition to that, you also need to ask what recharges me and what depletes me. So taking a private inventory is again, super important because the things that you find out about yourself are remarkable when you do that. When you really sit down and without judgment and without self-criticism or even without pride, just say, what do I do? What am I good at? What are the things that people continue to come to me for over and over? And then what am I not so good at? What are the things that people complain about over and over? Knowing these things gives you the power to do something about them. It gives you the power to move on to step number two, which is accept and embrace all of you. So once you know your strengths and once you know your weaknesses, once you know what you're good at and what you're not so good at, it's important that you accept it. And so what do I mean? I mean, fully embrace the fact that you're good at what you're good at. 
And what I mean by that is stop undermining it, stop underplaying it, stop downplaying it. And, and say to yourself, when it comes to doing this, I'm great. So that's one of the things that I've learned. Like I, I, you've heard me say over and over, I'm a master strategist. And I am. I am a very tactical problem solver. When you have a, a problem, particularly as it relates to anything related to nonprofit strategy or business strategy, I just have this gift for being able to identify the core of the problem and then create a bridge between that problem and the desired solution. I just see things really clearly in difficult and complex situations. And it's something that's been there since I was a child. And as I develop skills in the nonprofit industry, it just it just was honed and developed and uh, recognized early in my career. I remember in my 20s being in a meeting full of bank executives, nonprofit executives, and a consultant. And they were trying to work out how to make a customer service training program work. And they, you know, had been at it for hours. And from the first 10 minutes of the conversation, I had a plan in mind. But being so young, I thought to myself, surely they see this answer. But maybe this is how business meetings work. Maybe people just explore all the different options before coming up with what's obvious. I mean, this is what was going on in my head. I was too afraid to say, why don't we do X, Y, and Z? But when we were hitting about the one and a half hour mark, I think just my being tired and intrigued caused me to raise my hand and give the solution that I had seen within the first 10 minutes of the meeting. So all of a sudden, I spoke it rather timidly, like, why why can't we do X, Y, and Z and bring this person in here and do this or that? And when I said that the room was quiet for about 15 seconds, and then the consultant who was leading the meeting was like, that is an excellent idea. I think that'll work. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That would work. Like they were just so taken aback by it. And I was sitting there like, what? I mean, how can that, how could they not see that? That's the first incident that I remember of just having this knack for problem solving. And that that moment would repeat itself throughout my career, even to this day. So knowing that I can go into rooms where there's problems or issues, and I can comfortably share now what I see because I'm aware of that strength. But in the same way, I've had to become aware of my weaknesses. And I have blind spots where I have not always been able to read the emotions of the room, where I'm highly logical. I'm weak when it comes to sometimes the 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 things that aren't spoken. And sometimes that's because I'm just not quiet enough and observant enough to pick up on it. So I've had to learn that I need to observe a room because my senses don't necessarily pick up on undercurrents unless I'm concentrating. So there are all kinds of things that, you know, you learn when you stop and study yourself. And this is really important. But once you do that, it's important to accept and embrace it. And notice when it comes to weaknesses, I didn't say work on them. I said, accept them. Because the thing is, weaknesses are going to be there. And you can spend a lot of your time trying to improve in areas where you might move the the needle a little, 
Or you can take that same energy and put it in the area of your strength and become an expert. And I choose the latter. It's just a better use of time. And I remember that from reading the book, The Power of Focus, when it talked about the top leaders spend most of their energy maximizing their strengths and just using their team, their boundaries, and their discipline to manage their weaknesses. I'll never forget that. So that's a great word of advice, but accept and embrace all of you. And here's another note about weaknesses. I've learned that weaknesses are a blessing. God created them just like he did strengths. And weaknesses do three very important things for talented people. Weaknesses give you humility and success because you know that it's only by God's grace and mercy that that weakness didn't derail the success. It gives you compassion and disappointment because when other people struggle, you know that you have struggles too. And it gives you the motivation to maintain a relationship with God because you're reminded that you need God to give you grace, mercy, and strength to overcome and, uh, and deal with those weaknesses. So humility, compassion, and motivation to maintain a relationship with God, those are just three reasons why weaknesses aren't necessarily a bad thing, especially if we manage them right. And strengths obviously give us the ability to produce and prosper. So if we work them right, we can be blessed as a result of it and bless others. So that's step number two, long step, accept and embrace all of you. And I kind of touched this in step two, but step three is maximize the good and manage the bad. So what do I mean maximize the good and manage the bad? Well, once you know what you're good at, you can maximize it by creating a culture that is that aligns with it, work habits that align with it, team, a team that aligns with it. So what do I mean? Let me give you an, an easy example. Let's say if you're a morning person, one way that you can maximize the good is you can put all of your most challenging meetings at the top of the day. The meetings where you need to think the sharpest, the meetings where you need to have the, the greatest amount of energy, you can strategically schedule them at times that you're your sharpest. And when it comes, or if you're an evening person or an afternoon person, you can do the reverse. You can schedule meetings after lunch when you're sharpest and use your morning to do checklist things and those um, urgent or unimportant tasks or non-urgent, um, less, less prioritized tasks in the morning. You're still getting everything done, but you're getting things done at a time that works best for you when you can show up and be the best version of yourself. So that's one simple way to maximize the good. Another way is to, when you're delegating, to keep those things that you do best on your desk and delegate those things that other people do best. And you can only know that when you know what your strengths are, you've accepted them and embraced them. So that's how you maximize the good. And then managing the bad, you have to use discipline, boundaries and your team members that have complementary competencies to manage the bad. So first you use discipline, which means that you kind of stay away from those things that are going to um, either tempt you to do something that um, you're not proud of or cause you to show up in a manner that isn't the best version of yourself. So for me, when I get offended I can sometimes come out of the gate pretty strong because I'm a direct personality as it, you know, just, just uh, naturally. 
So one of the things that I've had to use discipline to do when I get offended is to be quiet. And until I can get my emotions in check, not to respond. And it's taken years for me to learn that because I, at first I tried to respond better, but what I learned is that I need to be quiet first, maybe even put some distance in between myself and that offense and then come back in a way that shows grace and, um, you know, that I can exercise authority in a way that is respectful and shows grace. So that's what how I've had to use discipline um, in an area of a weakness or creating boundaries such that when it comes to certain elements, I let HR take care of it instead of stepping in and dealing with it the way I did earlier in my leadership journey. Um, and then when it comes to ma managing the bad with team members, you know, there are things that there are team members that, I, that have very different personalities than I do that do a great job in making up the differences that maybe I lack. And together we create a great synergistic leadership team that kind of handles all sides of issues and provides interpretation sometimes for me, like what, what is that person saying? They're able to tell me in a way that would make sense to me. So they act as interpreters for certain personalities and, and then just really great um, people that I can brainstorm with when it comes to looking at all sides of an issue or problem. So those are ways that you can really manage the bad is by being disciplined, creating boundaries and having team members that complement you. So now my final word of advice. Not only are you going to have to take a personal inventory, accept them and embrace all of you and manage the good, maximize the good and manage the bad. One time you need to do it continually throughout your life because you'll change, grow, mature and develop um, as you age and as life goes by. So this is something that I, now I try to do annually at the top of every year. I look at what are my strengths? How have they changed? What new things have I developed? What are my weaknesses? What are some things that have come up that I didn't notice before? And then how can I accept and embrace those and then tweak existing systems or even change existing systems to maximize these new strengths and manage some of these new weaknesses that have been revealed. Because you're never gonna see all sides of you at once. We're constantly changing and growing and developing. And something that I may have been a novice at three years ago, I could become an expert at three years later and it becomes one of my strengths just because of the time and energy that I put into learning a new field or industry. So that's why I constantly need to reevaluate. So finally, the big takeaway is this. You can't convince others to trust your leadership if you don't trust it. If you don't know your own thoughts and values, it'll be easy for people to manipulate you. If you are not confident in what you bring to the table, how can you sit at the head? It's time to take the time to really get to know yourself, love yourself, and accept yourself. Then and only then can you walk in any room, be clear on your assignment and confident enough to carry it out with authenticity and authority. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for every leader and aspiring leader that's listening to this podcast. I thank you that you love us and that you first love us, that you modeled your unconditional love for us. 
and that you told us to love others as we love ourselves, indicating that it is your will for us that we love your creation, that we love ourselves. So Father, I pray that in the upcoming days and upcoming weeks, that everyone listening to this podcast would spend time in your presence, asking you to reveal the things that are good about them and the things that you strategically allowed in their life to bring them closer to you and be more understanding of their fellow man. And Father God, I pray that as we all move forward in leadership, that not only will we love ourselves and our self-esteem will increase, but that our insecurities will get out of the way so that we can be more impactful and so that we can build your kingdom. And so, Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for this revelation. I thank you for the leaders who are going to step up to the challenge and seek you this week and in the weeks to come. And so we thank you for it all in Jesus name. Amen. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.